coming up on the Dr. John Deloney Show. In the grand scheme of everything that's going on in the world, still is kind of like a dumb question. Whoa, can I stop you right there? I can almost guarantee that's part of the problem. Whatever you're about to ask me. How do I learn to love my body even when I'm incredibly overweight, like 160 pounds overweight? Because I don't love my body. What up, what up, what up, what up? This is John with the Dr. John Deloney Show. So glad that you're joining us, hanging out with us. If you want to be a part of the world's greatest mental health and marriage and parenting podcast, and when I say greatest, I don't mean by numbers or even the quality of the things I share here. I just mean that I just like to say that over and over again, and hopefully it becomes part of the way you talk about the show, and then we all win, right? Do you want to be a part of the greatest mental health and marriage podcast ever? The best in the world. Give me a buzz at 1-844-693-3291. And I do get a lot of uh, Instagram messages from folks overseas asking if they can call in. Yes, absolutely. Go to johndeloney.com slash ask and fill out the form. And we've made it work from multiple countries across the world. And actually, I love hearing different perspectives. So it's awesome. And um, real quick, just housekeeping. Please go follow us. Follow me on Instagram. Oh, just saying that gives me hemorrhoids. Follow me on Instagram and the TikToks and all those things. And like and subscribe the show. And well, You know that drill. Just help a brother out. How about that? All right, let's go to Merlinda in Oklahoma. What's up, Merlinda? Hey, not much. How are you, Dr. John? Partying. I can't think of a more Oklahoma name than Merlinda. That's fantastic. Well, thank you. I take that as a compliment. You should. You should. <laughs> so what's up? Well, okay. So I have a question, and in the grand scheme of everything that's going on in the world, still is kind of like a dumb question. Wow. Can I stop you um, right there? Yes. I can almost guarantee that's part of the problem. Whatever you're about to ask me, I, I want you to have permission to own whatever's bringing you down. Okay. You promise? And, and I promise. Okay. And I might cry. Bring so, it on. I might cry with you. Okay. Um, my question is this. <clears throat> Sorry. How do I learn to love my body even when... <clears throat> Sorry. Don't, hey, stop apologizing. You're good. Same team. Okay. You're my friend. How do I learn to love my body even when I'm incredibly overweight, like 160 pounds overweight? Because I don't love my body. Okay. When did you... Um, I, I, I hate it. I yeah. hate the way that I look. Okay. How long have you struggled with your weight? Um, my whole life. I'm, um, I'm a twin, a fraternal twin. And fraternal twin is... I grew up super skinny. And I knew from a comparison age, uh, like whenever I first started noticing that we looked different... Um, I was the bigger one and actually was dubbed that as a child, like just at basketball games, my friends, my family, you know, I'm, I'm the bigger twin. So my whole life. So most of us who have struggled with what we see in the mirror, who take our shirts off and look in the mirror and are grossed out. And I've put my, I'll put myself in that category. I've talked about that here. Um, we have an imaginary idea of what we would look like in another body or if we would finally just start taking care of ourselves and stop being so lazy or whatever other crap we put on pile on ourselves mm -hmm. you walked alongside a literal person 
Ja. Ja. Who was athletic, who was the popular girl, who was pretty. And and I love her. She's my best friend mm-hmm. and she knows all of these things. Um but I, I even remember Dr. John like at a young age asking her and then I actually so I have a twin and then I have a younger sister that's just sixteen months younger. So we were pretty much like triplets. Mm-hmm. Um and she again was skinny, tall, popular, pretty athletic. And I, I remember like probably junior high asking them repeatedly like hey are are you embarrassed of me like do, you, do I embarrass you or do I um you know do you want do you want to be seen with me like unprompted would just ask them that you know of course they'd be like we don't care like you're you like you're fine but in my mind um I was less than yeah and I still like I I still feel that way and I and like today's culture you know like it's like something that, and this has been more recently, like I, I found like these inadvertent thoughts of comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, you watch a commercial, you know, like, and, and I've noticed like, hmm, there's not very many fat people in that commercial, you know, like, or I, I'm also, I'm a worship pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's always fun. Cause we live stream services. So, you know, I, there's a video every week of that. I if I would allow myself, I go back and watch and I can critique myself. Um, but like even in the realm that I'm in, just watching different videos, there's, I, I, I find myself looking for people who look like me and realizing like there's not, and, and I don't know if, um, people do that consciously or unconsciously, but I immediately do the comparison game and like, okay, well that's because you're, you're you. You're you're less than. Yeah. So let's, I want you to imagine I'm holding your hand. Okay. Cause I want to walk through a few things and it's going to be uncomfortable for a minute until it gets to the other side. Is that okay? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and I'm going to use some intentional, I'm going to say things in a, in a less than, um, than my, normally I try to be pretty careful with my language. I'm going to be intentional about some things. Is that okay? Absolutely. Um, I want you to give me some words that come to mind when you think of fat people. Um, the judgments like, you make. Just let them rattle off the top of your head. Go. Dumb. Yep. Um, Don't hold back now. We're already in it now. Um, I know. I know. I'm trying to say it when my voice doesn't shake. Um, unattractive. Yep. Ugly. ugly. Um less than like in this, as far as like not as productive, not as efficient. Okay. Um, people don't like people don't respect you as much. Okay. Um, you want more here? Here We could. And if we, you and I were sitting down together. Yeah. I, Cause here's what, here's what I want you to put out, put out there. I do think you don't like your body. I don't make any mistake about that. I'll even go as far as to say, I believe you that you hate your body. But you hate Merlanda. And those words you use to describe all those other people are the words you use. That's the stories you tell yourself. And I'll also go with you that those are stories you inhabited. That was the air you breathed. That you're the big girl. You're the what. And there's a reality to that. You have a different, you have a ge- different genetic makeup. Your body's different than your twin sister. Right. Right. So right. you, 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 ha- that, there's a reality to that. And, 
there was a narrative that you were the this one and you were one of them, not one of them. To the point right. that as a young kid, most kids can be so unaware that they're different. You were not. So somebody somewhere was making it pretty, pretty clear. And so that story over time, those stories from the kids, from your parents, from that aunt that's just like, oh, honey, you shouldn't eat that. Like all that when you're six, for God's sake, all of that, those stories, they become stories you tell yourself in your own voice. And I I, I learned this in a heavy conversation. If you haven't heard my interview with Sal Stefano. I had him on my show a while back. He's one of the mind pump guys. Okay. One of the heaviest conversations I've had around this topic. And he said something that, um, I got choked up on the, on the interview because I'd never occurred to me. He said, John, you cannot hate yourself. You can't hate your body into better shape. You can't go to the gym and try to get rid of how disgusting you are. You can't look at healthy food and shove it down your throat because you are so grossed out by – it doesn't work like that. It's a recipe for crash and burn. And probably for yo-yo dieting because that's what I've done my whole life. Yes, and you know how you can yo-yo diet because you're one of the strongest people around? You can grit your teeth because you're strong. You've had to be your whole life. You're real strong. You can grit your teeth and you can lose 30 pounds, but you still hate Merlanda. Yep. And so what we're looking for here is less about how do I not hate my body? It's how do I make peace with Merlanda? And when I decide to go work out, I'm giving Merlanda a gift because I love her. When I decide to not go crush another box of whatever, which was me. Last night I bought seven, seven boxes of uh, Girl Scout cookies. Those evil (laughs) kids who sell them one month after everyone's New Year's resolution. Um, But I didn't dominate them last night based on a conversation I had with Lane Norton who said, hey, it's a story you're telling yourself that you can't help yourself. Yeah, you can. And John, my friend, is worth more than that. And when he told me those words, it was, it was like a light bulb came on. And Merlinda, I do this for a living. I've been having this conversation for 30 years. And here I am now. Oh, yeah. I can't hate myself into long-term behavior change. I got to love myself that way. Same as you can't hate and nag your husband or wife or girlfriend or boyfriend into changing. It doesn't work. Right. Right? So right. tell me two or three things that Merlinda is really amazing at. Um, contrary to my own, my, my own beliefs, I'm a really good leader. Um, I am. Okay. Can I actually, stop you right there? Yeah. Can we agree on the outset that your beliefs about yourself are inaccurate often? hundred percent. Sweet. All right, cool. That's usually like seven or eight sessions right there. That's fantastic. Okay. So you know that your feeling signals can be off or they can be wrong, which is awesome. Okay. So you're great at worship leading. Does that mean you're a great singer, a great guitarist or you're great at bringing um, people into community bringing people into community awesome not just like on stage but like in i can think of few gifts it. greater to humanity than someone who can rally people together for a common purpose good for you what else um 
I'm very, very kind and caring okay. for other people. Um, what are those things I'm good at? I've, I've become, I don't know. Why is this so hard and every, the negative things are so easy? Well, because our brains are wired for them. And you've had a steady stream of negativity dumped into your heart and mind your whole life. And negative things are what get us killed, not the positive stuff. So our brains are wired to look for the negative because it doesn't want to die. And that means we have to work really hard, especially in this world with all the cell phones and all the attention and all the video streams that you're on every week. That when our brain is going, there's a threat, there's a threat, there's a threat. We also have to counter that with, and there's joy. And there's laughter. And there's somebody who's working to really love herself after a long time of not having a roadmap for what that looks like. Yeah. Here's a way, a place I want you to start. Okay. A couple of things. Number one, I want you to start treating my friend Miranda like you treat those people at your church. You're kind to them. You welcome them. You laugh. And when they say, I screwed up this and I can't believe I slept with so-and-so and I did this, you say, oh my gosh, I love you. And I want you to treat Miranda like that. And what that means is that's a morning practice and an evening practice. And you're going to have to do it double time because you've been on this track for on another set of tracks for a long time. I love Merlanda because. And don't so make I'm a, a logistical. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Like you mean like I'm a logistics person and I talk to it to like one of my small group classes a lot. Like get a, so go, go get a, go get a journal today from the store, a brand new one that you've never written in before. Okay. And then, and, and I would put down. swear words in it if, if I wasn't talking to a worship leader. <laughs> but at the top, I would put why Miranda is worth loving. No, not okay. even that. Miranda is worth loving, period. How about that? Miranda, I'm sorry. Miranda's worth loving, period. And then underneath it, write down. Miranda is somebody who treats people with dignity and respect. Merlanda is somebody who is loved. Merlanda is someone who, and keep going. And by the way, you're going to start seeing that a lot of the stuff is performance-based about what you can do for other people. I want you to get beneath that. Is that like part of it? Because that is like, as you were asking, what's, you know, what are the things that I'm good at? I mean, I, a hundred percent, or I would not hundred percent, but probably 97% of all the things that I think that I'm good at is, how I can make other people's lives better. That's because your like whole life, life you've me? always felt worthless and not pretty and not worthy of being talked to or looked at or sat with. And so you created a world where you could go out and act your way into worth and value. And God, Merlana, that's exhausting, isn't it? It is. And you're spot on. It's exhausting. Here's the second thing I want you to do, and this is going to be the most annoying challenge, okay? And you're going to have to practice this. If you and I started salsa dancing classes, we would be terrible, <laughs> right? Right. And we would know that because we had never taken salsa dancing before, and we would laugh and stumble around and fall, and our instructor would be like, oh, get out of my class, and then we'd pay him, and he'd be like, all right, you can come back. It'd be a whole thing. <laughs> So as you're practicing this new thing, I want to, I'm going to get this new task. I want to give you, give yourself grace. You don't know what you're doing. You've never done this before. Okay. 
It's going to be a lot of stumbling and falling and tripping, and it's okay because it's all new. And you'll be like, oh, man, I screwed that one up. Have that attitude about it, not, well, there's another thing I can put in the Merlanda sucks pile, okay? I want you to carry this journal around with you everywhere. And by the way, I got one right here on my desk right now, okay? I want you to carry it around with you. And when you have a negative thought about Merlanda, write it down. Every single time. It's like taking a budget except for your thoughts. Like You know, like you have apps. Like I use the Every Dollar app to, for my expenses. And every time I buy something, it shows up and it reminds me, you just spent this, you just spent this. I want you to do that with your thoughts because what we have to do in real quick order is take capture of our thoughts, the things that are circling in your mind all day. You're going to be stunned at how often you walk by a mirror and think I'm disgusting or gross or why do I wear this shirt? Or when you're watching yourself and there could be a thousand people in your church being led through a pretty remarkable worship service and all you can see when you're watching the tape back is how unattractive you think you look. I want you to write all of that down. And here's the second part of that. Write it down and challenge that. Is this true? And most of the time, the answer is no. Now, I'm also going to tell you hard truth. Is Is it okay? Absolutely. If you look at a photo of yourself or you walk by the mirror and you think the words, I need to lose weight, you probably do. But not to be loved. Not so that you finally have value. But because you're worth getting up and your back not hurting and your knees not hurting and you feeling recklessly beautiful and you live in to be 80 years old so you can continue to bring people together in joy and love and comfort. Is that fair? Absolutely. Yes. And so become, like I said, exercise becomes a gift. Becomes an awesome thing that you give Merlanda. Taking, like working with somebody to change how you eat, all all that stuff, like that becomes a gift. It doesn't become a a burden or a chore. It's an annoying gift. (laughs) I don't like all my gifts, but (laughs) it's a gift. It's definitely felt like punishment. Of course, like my whole life. Because you hate like, you, I, and you deserve to be punished, right? Yep. Merlinda, that stops today. Same team. Same team. Will yeah. you reach out and call somebody in your area and tell them I've hated myself for the last time? Yes. Okay. Yes, I will. Anything, I'll be with you every step of the way. Okay. And and again, I want you to hear me say this. This isn't a weight loss journey. This is going to be a journey about rediscovering Merlanda and finally giving that little girl a voice. Finally letting that little girl know that she's loved and valued, even though she doesn't look like her sister. And here's another honest take. You may need to get with a doctor. They have had some advancements in, um, Obesity care that is unimaginable 10 years ago. It's incredible. Yeah. Okay. See, I've thought about those things and it's made me think, oh, well, just because you're weak, even though like I've completed 75 hard and I could do a CrossFit workout and I haven't had sweets since November 1st. Like I haven't had any candy or like I could do think hard things, but in my mind, I, those negative thoughts just start derailing me. You can do some hard things, but you can't do the ultimate hard thing yet. 
The yeah. ultimate hard thing is forgiving Merlanda for hating herself for so long and deciding today I'm going to go do something different. Okay. I took anxiety yeah. medication for a couple of years and it saved my life. And I don't recommend people take medicine. And I sat at my kitchen table and I wept. I felt like such a freaking loser. And anxiety medication did not cure me. But it did give me the opportunity to start doing the things that would heal me. Okay. Sitting down with the doctor and going through whether it's medication or whether it's – there's all kinds of different paths here. And don't let any right. nonsensical influencer or moron on YouTube – that's between you and your doctor and your physician, okay? Okay. You're not weak. You just happen to live in a sliver of history when we have some of the most extraordinary advancements in the history of mankind that can help people in our situation. And our situations are different. Fair? No, fair. That makes sense, though. Starting today, you like Merlanda, and you're nice to Merlanda like I like Merlanda. Is that fair? Fair. Deal. Thank you for being one of the bravest people I've talked to in a long, long time. Anything I can do uh, along the way, anytime you want to call back and say, I'm stuck here, I need some help here, holler at me. I walk alongside you. So grateful for you. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Jack, let's go to Stephen in Ontario. What's up, Stephen? Hey, John. How's it going? Partying, dude. What are you up to? Not too much. Just enjoying the, the day. Um, is so- it one in Canada right now? How cold is it? It, well, it's actually been pretty warm this winter. It's, it's, it's about zero right now. Normally it'd be at minus 20 Celsius, but uh, <laughs> it's been a warm one this year. So I don't even know the words you just said, man. I don't understand yeah. you, Steven. I don't understand you. All right, what's up? Uh, yeah, so I got a relationship question for you today. Okay, bring it. So so for some context, uh, I've been in a relationship being my girlfriend for a bit more than a year now. And uh, it's been a great relationship, uh, very loving, uh, great communication. Uh, I kind of ask for anything better. And after some internal reflection, self-thought, and kind of sitting with the feeling for a bit, I think that I'm ready to start having a more serious conversation about looking at what next steps might be in terms of engagement and kind of planning more seriously what a life together might look like. Cool. Now, How old now, are you? How old are you? Uh, I'm 24. I was hoping you were going to say 16. Okay, 24. Yeah. All, right. All right, cool. This would have been way more fun um, if you were 16, but okay. So 24, yeah. awesome. So what's um, your, how can I help? Yeah, so the the, the one thing I'm, I'm really considering with this is that while I, I very much have sat with this feeling and kind of thought about it a lot and do you really feel it, I think that you know, it's been just over a year and that uh, it might be kind of more prudent to sit with this feeling a bit longer, you know, get a few more seasons of life under our belts and more experience with life beside each other um, before kind of stepping forward with something like that. And it's kind of dealing with the conflict of, I very much really do feel that feeling of I'm ready for that next step, but also kind of reining myself in a bit and just saying, hey, like time's on our side and we're pretty young and let these feelings kind of continue to deepen and sit with them for a bit and just kind of get your thoughts on that. Yeah, man. Thanks for the call. Um, I think first and foremost, you need to take your feelings and flush them down the toilet. Okay. I think you are being led around by your feelings. And if you set into a long-term relationship, 
Now, like, make no mistake, like, you feel in love and you feel super, you know, like, all jazzed up to be next to her. And all, like, all that's cool. Like, feel they're mm-hmm. awesome, right? They make great road signs. They make terrible <laughs> directions. Okay? Like, because here's what's going to happen. You're going to be four or five years into this thing. You're going to be married. And then sh- she'll have a kid. And you'll be figuring X and Y. And then you won't, quote, unquote, feel it anymore. Mm-hmm. I've been married 20 and a half years. I can guarantee you the feelings come and go. Mm-hmm. And at some point, if you, if you heard my conversation with Jordan Peterson, I made a covenant. I said I would. And the times I have been dangling over the edge to leave this thing and to walk all that, I've been held back by that one thing. I said I would. Said I would. Mm-hmm. And so feelings are fine and good, especially at the beginning what I begin to look for over time is are our values as we know them right now aligned. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and we, we, we very much had, have had those conversations and over time at over time, increasing kind of complexity and kind of seriousness. Like, and kind of, we've definitely, I think have come to the conclusion that our values very much do do align, but uh, I think it's kind of sitting with each other and kind of living those values out and kind of, getting consistency over time with that. Man, you're, you're running this thing like it's a computer program and it doesn't work like that. Okay. Because my, my first impulse is to say, yeah, you could go through a lot of life rigmaroos and experiences and do all that dating, but that's the stuff that makes relationships really remarkable and strong. That's the stuff that you get to share with other people. When you've, you're committed, when you're fully anchored in. Mm-hmm. And as the great poet Stephen Connell says, love is a promise that comes what comes. I'll be right here. Mm-hmm. And so more so than any feelings is this idea that I'm going to decide every single morning for the rest of my life that I'm going to love you. Whether I feel like it, whether you're sick, whether we're broke, whether you've hurt me deeply, every day I will wake up and look across this room or look at the bed next to me and say, I do. And if you can do that, it's game on. Why wait? Okay. If you can't, if you refuse to make that commitment and her make that commitment, don't do it, man. You've had a great run. It's been fun. You like dating. It's, it's a blast. Feelings will come and go, my brother. And anybody who gives you some sort of matrix, do these 10 things, or this is the 15 ways to know if she's the one, they're just selling you, sell, I mean, they're, they're mm-hmm. selling you snake oil, man. It's nonsense. And, and I, I think you've definitely zeroed in a, a lot on who I am in that I'm, I'm very much a, a systems-driven kind oh, of person. Dude, so. I can hear it all over you. If you're not a coder, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, I can hear it all over <laughs> not, you. Not, not quite, but I'm pretty close. Exactly. It, so... <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll I'll explain it this way. This is the best way I can explain. It. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know who Dave Ramsey is? Oh, of course I do. Okay, That's how I got to you? He's my okay. Yeah, he's my boss, right? And he took a couple of us skydiving this past summer. Mm-hmm. There is nothing in my life more terrifying than heights for me. 
I'm talking like I don't like to get on a ladder. I don't like to look over the edge at a second story, like up a set of stairs. Dude, I've trained with pro MMA fighters. I'm not, I've been in active shooter situations. I'm not scared of much of anything. I hate heights, hate them. And so when he sent the email around saying, hey, I'll, um, I'll pick up the tab. We all go uh, skydiving. Who's in? A couple of my colleagues said, I'm out, I'm out. And I instantly just went, I'm in. And dude, I didn't sleep for <laughs> for however long. I mean, I was terrified, man. But listen, um, it was a spiritual experience for me. And I know that sounds all woo-woo and lame, but here's what it was for me. It showed me this, this adventure I had been on in my marriage where for so many years, I tried to love harder by clamping down, by holding on tighter. Holding on to my wife and to our values and to our rules and to the way things are in our house and how's our house going to – and it was this constant revision. Are we aligned? Are we on this thing? Are we? And then I jumped out of that plane, man, and you just let go. <clears throat> and I had to lean in and trust the dude behind me, this former Navy SEAL who had a vested interest in landing safely also. Dude, it was the total abandonment, total trust like I've never experienced. I got to trust this guy or I'm dead. Got to do what he says or I'm dead. And it was one of those magic. My wife came with us actually. And on our, when I got home and we were just talking about it, we both had a conversation about, oh, that's belief. Is not trying to get all the rules right. It's letting go. That's love. It's not trying to, it's not trying to suffocate my wife and my family and my kids. It's letting go. And when I let go, then she feels safe enough to be so deeply rooted in our marriage that she feels safe. And when she feels safe, she can breathe. And when she can breathe, then all of a sudden, see what I'm saying? So it's gonna, I, I think I do. It's going to be exactly opposite of your impulse. Mm-hmm. I want to control every variable. I want to make sure every T is crossed, every I is dotted before we do this other thing. Because once we do this thing, there's no coming back. I'll tell you right now, dude. <laughs> You're going to cross that line and be like, what happened? Yeah. Right. The thing that you can control on this side of, of that experience is come what come, I will be right here and I'll spend the rest of my life trying to meet your needs. Will you, my love, spend the rest of your life helping me meet mine? And that's the dance. I, I think that's where you will put, um, Yeah. And I would do anything to have your way of seeing the world, by the way. I'm kind of a chaotic <laughs> mess. So um, you will bring immense value to your marriage by <laughs> your, hopefully you're marrying somebody that's going to drag you out dancing and you are going to be the guy that's like, how about we pay the light bill too? Like, I hopefully that's, <laughs> hopefully that's how y'all work, right? You have oh, a, a, an, sure. an incredible value to relationships. I need people like you for real. Um, if it wasn't for my wife, I would have an awesome podcast and be homeless at the same time. So you have immense value. But when it comes to this one decision, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Come what come, I'll be here. And my feelings are going to be a a part of the the signal system, but they are not going to be the direction. The direction is come what come, I'll be right here. I'm not going anywhere. That's love. And I hate to say this so crassly, but my brother loves a choice every day for the rest of your life. We'll be right back. 
All right, let's go to Chicago and talk to Aaron. What's up, Aaron? What's up? Hey, Dr. John, how you doing? Good. You doing well? <laughs> doing well. Excellent. Thanks so much for uh, taking my call. Appreciate it. You got it, man. What's happening? Hey, so uh, just reaching out to you today just uh, for some guidance regarding a uh, hard conversation that eventually got to happen with my mom. Um, just to give you some background information for you. So um, my father passed away suddenly in December of 2021. Ah, man, I'm sorry. And yeah, no, thanks. Um, what was his name? Um, his name was uh, Leon. Was he pretty cool? Yeah, man, he was the best. <laughs> I miss him every day. His name was Leon. Did y'all used to watch those Leon commercials together? Remember those? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I don't do you remember those? They're ESPN. Or... Leon, don't. <laughs> can't do everything. You remember those? They were fantastic. Oh, uh, I don't know. Tell me something I, I, that was amazing about your dad. Um, He could just, like, do so many things. Um, He was a handy guy. He, I mean, he helped me, like, redo my kitchen. He refinished, like four or five basements in his lifetime. Um, was he one of those, like, was he one of those hardcore um, union or almost union Chicago guys that didn't always say the word, I love you, but you would wake up at 6am and they're pulling your cabinets down to replace them for you. <laughs> uh, no, he wasn't a union guy. He just uh, he loved to like, just stay busy and work with his hands. And just during, during his retirement, he just was a handy guy and was, painting walls for people and installing flooring and, um, just, you know, he was, uh, 75 years old and he could do like circles around 65 year olds mm. at times. So he sounds like he, um, uh, he sounds like he loved well. Totally. Absolutely. Damn. What a cool, I can't, I can think of, I hope, I hope my kids say that about me. My dad was nuts. <laughs> And he was kind of a moron, but he loved well. That's awesome. All right, so tell me about your question, the hard conversation you got to have. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, like I said, you know, just uh, it was a shock to us all and um, didn't see it coming. And um, so in 2019, my mom and dad moved to the home where they current, where my mom currently lives. And um, it, it's a bigger home with about, you know, 26, 2,800 square feet, got three-car garage, decent size you know, residential lot. And, um, you know, my mom, she's, she's healthy at this point. She's, she's active. I mean, my mom's incredible. She's not afraid of hard work. She cuts the lawn. She shovels the snow. She's, uh, she's the active, healthy 73 year old. Um, as far as I know. And, um, just like, you know, in time, just how big the home is and where she lives, just, you know, my sister and I really liked her to, consider, you know, just sizing down just to, you know, for her own health and safety and, um, just, um, also to, you know, I think it would be a stress relief her for her as well. But, uh, at the same time, I think, um, just in previous conversations, like broad conversations, she's made the comment like, Oh, I don't think I could move again. And, and things like that. And, being that it's been over a year now that uh, my dad has passed, just got to look ahead and have the conversation and just to find out um, if she'd be willing and, and just how to do that. So that, that that's really like, well, um, 
my question. And your mom, I'll um, tell you this: your mom is lucky to have a couple of kids who love her so much. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, all right, so I'm going to tell you some hard truths and then give you maybe like a plan. Is that cool? Yeah, totally. all, right, all this I'm just rattling off the top of my head here, so <laughs> it may be worth. I don't the, want it uh, any other way. The free advice. <laughs> um, it sounds like, by the way, you just described this, that this move would be more for you and your sister, not your mom, at this point. This and, or this move would okay. alleviate your tension and your fear and your yeah. angst, not your mom's. Yeah, and I know that sucks to say that out loud. And, you know, another thing, it's something that I forgot to mention is, um, I mean, like I said, she's, she's healthy. I do know that, um, she does kind of have like weaker bones where she goes in like monthly temporarily. And she's having like injections done to kind of make her bones stronger. She have osteoporosis? Um, yeah, she does take like, I think medication for that. And she has mentioned to us, um, at one point that she was going down, um, like, uh, some steps. It was just, a uh, two or three steps that's in the house and she did fall and she didn't like tell us till two weeks later. And like, ma, what the heck? Come on. <laughs> tell us this when it happens. So does she still um, have, um, in, in, inside that home, is there still pictures of your dad everywhere or his clothes still there? Uh, no, his clothes is not there. Okay. Um, yes, there are pictures. Okay. Um, I mean, his his tools and things are, are still there. Okay. Um, that's, again, something that we're going to have to, like, tackle at some point and figure out. Um, so here, my, my bigger question is, for your mom, is your dad still inside this home? And um, that might yeah. be a, that's a different conversation than, hey, let's make your life easier. The other conversation is, as a family, we've grieved dad for a year and it's been hard and we miss him. And I can't even, I mean, you still can't even talk about him without getting choked up because you loved him so much and he loved you so much. And yeah. we got to let dad go. And that doesn't mean dad doesn't live with us in our hearts forever. And dad hasn't made a ripple through time that will continue to, to ripple through generations and generations on. Right. But we got we to let dad go. And that's a different conversation than, hey, mom, what if you didn't have to shovel the driveway? Would that sound awesome? See what I'm saying? Yeah, right. So I would approach – so I'm just going to tell you this, how I would approach this if I were you, Okay. Okay. If this was my situation and my dad just suddenly passed away, my dad's like your dad. He loves recklessly. He's a big personality. He's loud and goofy and uh, um, just an amazing guy. And if he suddenly just overnight went away, right? So I look up a year later and I flew to Texas to sit with my mom. And um, what I would say is, mom, this house looks like and feels like so much work. And I want you to hear from me. I want nothing but peace and laughter and joy for you for the rest of the time we have you. The moment you're ready to do the hard work of digging in and selling some of this stuff and selling the house and moving to a patio home or moving in our basement that dad refinished, whatever that looks like. 
I want you to know we are, I'm ready to rock and roll by your side. And so it's more forming an alliance and less pressuring her more. I'm on your team. And when you're ready, we will come in with our goggles on like the home repair shows. We'll be ready to rock and roll. Um, and less about I'm your son, but now I'm taking the role of your dad. And I'm going to tell you what to do. Right. You see, see how that's a little bit different. Totally. Yeah. How no, does your, you know, your mom way better than I, I mean, I don't know your mom at all. How, how do you, how does that, how does that conversation land with her? Yeah. You know, I think, um, just, you know, coming from our heart and approaching it that way, it may, um, turn on a light bulb and make it all your problem. Make it a (laughs) hundred. Like mom, I worry about you. You're a gangster. Like you're out (laughs) shoveling the snow and doing flips off the roof into the yard. Like you're awesome. I am struggling. Yeah. And maybe that's an opportunity for her to give herself some purpose. Well, I got to make my son feel better again. Like who knows, but make it your problem at this point. Now she breaks a hip She's unable to move. You go by to see her in the yard. It's four feet tall and there's snow everywhere and she can't get out of the house. That's a totally different conversation. Right. That's the conversation folks have with their 90-year-old dads and they say, Dad, I'm taking the car keys. You can't drive anymore. You're not safe. Right. Those are hard conversations, man. Um, And you hope that parents will volunteer, right? The same as old boxers. Dude, they have to be told by their friends and managers and loved ones, I'm not taking your money anymore. You got to stop. Very few boxers are like, all right, I, it's time for me to go. They, you don't still do that, right? right? And so that's hard. Um, I would make this all on you at this point, you and your sister. Mom, we're worrying about you. We love you. We want you to know that you've got our permission to let mm-hmm. this house go, to let dad go be with whatever wherever he is, and us to create a new life with the with the years we got left. Gotcha. No, uh, that's solid. Thanks so much. Yeah, man. Will you do me a huge favor? Let me know how that conversation goes. Yeah, I will. Absolutely. And one more, one more tiny little piece and I'll, I'll let you go. Don't, don't spring this on her. Set it up. Okay. Right. No. So I'd let her know, Hey, we're going to come over. We're going to talk about future stuff. And it's also a great time to talk about a will. Like, does she have a will? Did your old, did your dad have a will? Okay, good. Yeah. Do you know where it is and all that? I do, yeah. Great. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, your parents sound more amazing by the second, dude. That's awesome. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's when you have those conversations. Do we do we know where everything is? Like, I just want to make sure that we're planning for the future so we can best love you and take care of you in the coming years. And we're we're we got caught off guard with dad. It was a shock. We're always get, we're going to be shocked no matter what. But we want to make sure we've got all our ducks in a row. And totally. I can't sleep at night because I think you're going to do somersaults down the stairs. Right there. <laughs> exactly. And if she's a good 80-year-old sh- snow-shoveling Chicago woman, she'll think that's hilarious. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes, she will. She sounds awesome. Hey, man, um, it's been an honor to talk to you. Let me know how that conversation goes. Um, shoot us an email or give us a call back in, and uh, I'll update the audience here. But I want to hear how that conversation goes. My guess is... She's going to say, thank you for thinking about us and not making any decisions for a minute. And then all of a sudden, you're going to get a call out of the blue that she says, hey, it's time. Let's list the house. 
and then you are going to have to go through your grieving process because it's going to be very real, but that's something y'all can all do together. Life after a loss is so hard, and y'all are lucky that you have each other. Stay together. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? Deloney here. Listen, you and me and everybody else on the planet has felt anxious or burned out or chronically stressed at some point. In my new book, Building a Non-Anxious Life, you'll learn the six daily choices that you can make to get rid of your anxious feelings and be able to better respond to whatever life throws at you so you can build a more peaceful, non-anxious life. Get your copy today at johndeloney.com. All right, as we wrap up today's show, one of Kelly's favorite singers ever, ever. Last year, you took a leave to follow her tour around, which is quasi-weird, but it's cool. Front row Joe. Have you not been to a concert to see her? Oh my gosh. I can't believe you lied to America. Today's song of the day is written by Kelly's favorite singer ever, Miley Cyrus. Um, she actually, hanging from her uh, rear view mirror in her car, is just a miniature little wrecking ball. Uh, instead of the dice, she just has a little wrecking ball. Kelly loves it. The song's called Flowers, and it goes like this We were good, we were gold kind of dream that can't be sold we were right till we weren't built a home and watched it burn i didn't want to leave you i didn't want to lie started to cry but then i remembered i can buy myself flowers and write my name in the sand and talk to myself for hours say things you don't understand i can take myself dancing i can hold my own hand i can love me better than you can Whew. that sounds harsh bring it miley Now I know why you love her so much, Kelly. Man. Hey, we'll see you soon, good folks. 